Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life. With Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 Now, it is not a crowded house in here at all today. Mick Guren is actually in the country. He's just landed this morning and he's at the moment uh, checking into a hotel. So we'll just give him a couple of minutes uh, to get himself set. 10K Challenge Day today and uh, off uh, Giddy Up. And they're kicking it off with Gosford Race 1, number one, Mr. Hemsworth, which will be... On after I finish, Cam Luke must be on after one o'clock. Who just did a live read, a basically a voiceover for an advert, and even in a live read, he talks with his hands. Extraordinary stuff uh, in the, in the studio next door. He was actually quite uh, vocal, quite uh, animated with his hands in a live read. That's a pre-recorded read, a voiceover. Wow. Um, he'll get me back later for something. Now, some tips for today. Darren Carroll and myself and LB Ashwood, who was on the show, all very keen on race two, number seven, Edward Grange. Of course, LB driving the horse. It's only runner at drive at Yarra Valley today. He drove it at Swan Hill. LB um, isn't going there to make friends with spiders. That's how I'll put it to Yarra Valley today. I know LB well enough. It'll win $1.75. Also, Yarra Valley, Darren Carroll tipped race six, number 10, Sheet Web Weaver at $5. And then at Shep, he's got three plays at Shep. Race one, number six, Yoey at $2. At $2. Race two, number seven, Amber Alert. Amber Alert at $4.80. And race six, number four, Mahindi at $1.80. It will be a big second hour. We've got Jamie Cockshut and Ryan Backhouse uh, coming up in this second hour, and uh, they'll be in the latter part of the show. Mick Guren is about to join us. Hopefully he's checked in to his hotel. It's been a bit of a strange revelation in New Zealand, which I've been waiting to get him on. I've been waiting and waiting uh, for this segment because it's a curious case, actually, uh, Mick, that Mick will know all about. Um, Mark Purden has bought a galloper from the yearling sales. So we've got Mick there on the line. And Mick, uh, since you saw your tweet about this, I've wanted to ask you the story. Mark Purden has bought a galloper from the yearling sales. 
Yeah, good morning to you, Toby, and uh, also good afternoon, actually. Good afternoon to all your listeners. Um, no, he hasn't bought a galloper from the Ealing Sales. He's bought three, three. gallopers from the Ealing Sales. Wow. <laughs> he actually, and he wasn't mucking around. This was the uh, New Zealand bloodstock um, thoroughbred sales at Karaka yeah. in New Zealand this yeah. week, where I have been. He's paid 200000 for a son of Savabil. I think he paid one hundred and twenty for a Prasir and 80000 for a Tavachi. So he's getting pretty involved. He's got to train all three horses himself. And was he buying them for himself or as a Gene Feast or someone got involved? Because I reckon, mate, no. I reckon Gene no. Feast trained gallopers. I don't know the answer to that. But yeah. Mark Burden buying these horses for himself. The $200,000 one, which is above the average for the sale at Karaka, he's buying in partnership with his brother Barry, yeah. um, another Hall of Fame trainer. So Mark said, look, I'm not giving up harness racing training, but I want to train some gallopers. Um, I'll regret it if I never do it. And obviously he has the wherewithal to do so. He was there. We spent a bit of time talking about horses. And um, <laughs> remarkably, the horse he bought is by Savabil, the $200,000 one. And I've bought a lot of gallopers and, and I've bought a lot of harness horses. And if you put a Savabil, mm. blurt out the brands next to a, a Better's Delight, I reckon 95% of people in the sales ground couldn't tell the difference. They are incredibly similar-looking horses, yeah, compact, yeah. Yeah, yeah. relatively small, similar-sized shoulders, a lot of them the same colour. It's um, it's quite remarkable. I said that to someone three or four years ago, and they said, oh, well, that's just rubbish and blah, blah, blah. I said to Mark the other day, don't look like Bettis Delights. He said, it's incredible. He said, they're exactly the same makeup of horse. Um, he put $200,000 on the deck to find out, so he'll be training a few gallopers alongside his harness racing um, horses as he looks to expand maybe his horizons in life and, and I suppose he's got enough money these days he can pretty much do what he wants uh, I've had another, uh, someone come in on the text and just ask about Mark Purden as well so they must they, they've also asked about grass track racing, why does grass track racing work so well in New Zealand and as they'd love to see it back here in Victoria they're nice big competitive fields and I think the key to it is handy, the handicapping process because they're stand starts well, also, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in the South Island in particular, not so much in the North Island, you know, still have a farm where they might work mm. three, they might work four, um, you know, particularly with the trotters. And a lot of them get worked around the roads in Canterbury or in the farm and the back paddock, and a lot of people just like it. But there's also a, a, a perception that because the Mark Purdens and the Barry Purdens and the Tony yeah. Hurleys and those people don't go there, that it's easier um, look, it, it, it's fun to watch. I don't bet on it because it's not my cup of tea, but it's fun to watch. They tend to get big fields, and big fields often mean turnover. I think they attract more, you know, the 5 and $10 punters, yeah, yeah. Uh, more so than the serious punters, but there's a room for everybody in the game. So, yes, I think it's a very important part of the New Zealand summer. Obviously, that circuit stops about April because once the rain comes, uh, there's a few more bizarre scenes and harness racing on the heavy track. I just thought before we get to Melton as well, we might touch off on Menangle. There's some very interesting runners. We spoke about it with Garrick Knight yesterday as well, of course. But BDJ's a pretty serious horse. Elder Wise Guy's a pretty serious horse. And Republican Party's a pretty serious horse, Mick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, it's an interesting one because a lot of New Zealand horses really struggle with Menangle mile racing when they first get there, as do a lot of Victorian horses. Because yeah, yeah. it's just such yeah, an yeah. unusual way of taking care of business. But um, but 
I think BD Joe's a horse who should handle it. Obviously, most of the big guns aren't there this week yeah. um, because they're obviously at Melton. So, look, I think BD Joe's a horse who will handle it. Uh, I'm not saying he'll win fresh up this week. I haven't looked into the gate speed enough, but he's very quick off the gate. Older wise guy, I think, is a horse who wouldn't want to be rough and tumbling at the front end of the field around Manangle. Um, Republican Party absolutely will handle it, and Crandell Giddy and Carter have experience hitting there last year with Krug. So um, it'll be a, a fact-finding mission for Team Telfer, which is now Team Telfer Cullum, because they haven't done a lot of travelling, and I don't tend to back horses from stables who don't do a lot of travelling because it's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Del, Del, Del Getty horse should be fine, Republican Party. I'm not saying he's going to be kept a ravishing in the chariots of fire, but he's probably as good as the rest of them when you think leap to fame's not going to be there when we talk about chariots of fire horses and four-year-olds coming up because he, he's a pretty good horse and he, he's he's got the sort of motor that would suit Meningle. Now, Hunter Cup. You think copy that can sit outside Spirit of St. Louis and, and beat it? Um, I don't think he's going to need to. I mean, if he's sitting outside, there'll be some cover coming because I think there's two very good horses in the race who can't sit back. I mean, Rock and Roll do can't sit back. You won't cop the last bend coming wide and obviously expensive ego can't. So oh. I had a really long talk to Blair Orange last night. Um, and he said, look, you know, we may leave. And if they don't want to hand up the lead, um, you know, we would expect to be if sitting outside the leader. They'll definitely be covered there pretty quickly. Um, when you look at the racing patterns of those horses, when they've tried to do a rock and roll do with a sit, it's been a mess, apart from one race where they really powered up, and that was way back in September. And Expensive Ego's been outside the leader virtually every start it's been in Victoria. So if he sits there. Um, but there'd be, there'd be no sitting outside the leader and, and sitting there for two laps. That just won't be happening. There's a strong theory that Expensive Ego is going to go through the fence. Spirit of Louis, so Spirit of St. Louis leads... Hurricane Harley behind the leader and Luke goes through the fence on Expensive Ego and tries to get home up the inside and run a placing. Or well, win. There's, zero, there's zero chance that'll happen. Like, one of the most amusing things about it, I talked to Blair Orange about it last night, he said it's, it's incredible. In New Zealand, people don't really talk tactics before races. And in Australia, they talk tactics. And most of it's just wrong. I remember being here for a Hunter Cup where Bow Type, Victoria Cup where Bow Type was going to lead and I was going to do this. and Chris and me went straight across them at the start and leave and just bolted it. Um, I, I think talk is cheap, but don't get me wrong. When Luke McCarthy says something, I believe oh, Luke says they want to hold the lead on Spirit of St. Louis. I 100% could stay on what he says. But, yeah, I've, I've been to lots and lots of the graces, Toby, and heard lots and lots of theories. Oh, oh, there's even been change of tactics notifications in a miracle mile. Yeah, and then yeah. the person who gave the, the change of tactics notification didn't do what they said they were going to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's one thing to, you know, to, oh, if Spirit of St. Louis holds the lead, that's great. It doesn't bother me either. Well, I don't care who wins the 100 cup. But, um, yeah, I mean, when good horses get outside them and start attacking them, um, good drivers tend to make good decisions and bad drivers don't. And Jack Callaghan's a good driver. So I'm not saying he'll hand up. The more logical thing would be expensive ego coming in and handing to the stable mate, I would presume, particularly because he hangs up. Uh, at Melton, you know you're absolutely going to get a run, and you're more chance of running down expensive ego. You've then uh, running down copy that. But the biggest waste of time Australian punters do is listen to speed maps <laughs> yeah. and listen to stuff because because the people who write them don't run on the punt. I know that because I know them all, uh, and the people who spend more time talking about them don't run on the punt because I know them too. So 
The bottom line is the better horses will tend to win, but at Melton, and this is going to be the key factor in our coverage on Saturday night, at Melton, in staying races, in staying races most places, but in Melton in particular because it's a tighter track, the market pegs are paved in gold. Into the Dominion Grand Final, two relatively inferior horses. Set one, yep. two, three, the fence, and then yep. one, two, three, and that goes on a lot. Now, we didn't see that in the Victoria Cup when Expensive Eagle underperformed and Rock and Roll Do set parked outside them, but I don't think yep. that Rock and Roll Do flooding around Victoria at the moment. Um, the last two New Zealand Cups, the Ballarat Cup, the leaders have won. It's not just the staying trips, but it's a, it's a, exaggerated in the staying trips. And you do get the occasional Lazarus. Blacks are fake or a lock and bar art during the COVID era who can sit parked in these races and still win. But the reason I know those horses off the top of my head is because it happens so rarely. The marker pegs in big races dominate everything. And if Spirit of St. Louis happens to want to stay in front and that puts Hurricane Harley on the pegs, great. Yeah. They become factors because Hurricane Harley's a better horse than Torrid Saint. And Torrid Saint ran second and into the Dominion final doing exactly the same thing. Correct. If I gave you $1,000 on the weekend, Mick, and said I want you to have one bet, would it be Majestic Man in the heat of the Great Southern Star at $2.40? He just looks to me like he will lead. I know we just talked about all this, but it just looks his race. He leads, drops tempo in the middle. He'd be unbeatable. Well, I think it's a really good heat. I think it's a really interesting race, that race. And I, yeah. I must have it off. I'll be honest, Dave, I've been doing the sales a week, and I've obviously dived really deep into yeah. the Hunter Cup. Yeah, and yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had a thought yet, and I haven't rung enough people and said, what are you thinking here? Because it's a strange race to Great Southern Star. We saw some really strange things happen in the heats last year. Majestioso won the final. I think it ran fourth in the seat. To um, rules don't some apply? People, well, I, I just think some people don't want to be power. The worst thing you can do is power up on a horse, get it pulling, and it gets all steamy and, and sweaty and over races and still qualifies. But two hours later, its eyeballs are still popping out of its head. Yeah. I think some people want to have a pleasant experience in the first heat as best they can, and then they're more likely to have a good experience in the second heat. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I absolutely think it, that makes absolute sense because he's very quick off the gate. Um, yeah, it, it's a very strong heat, and it also only takes one. The problem with speed maths is this. It only takes one person to change their mind, yeah, and the speed yeah, yeah. maths absolutely useless. And it happens all the time in races. As I said, one, one of the most famous being... The Chris and me race where Dexter Gunn just said, and I said to him after the race, when did you make your decision on that? He said, about 50 yards before the start. So you can ring people all week, and I know we have to do it. And I realise, when I ring trainers, I ask them three things in a race like this. Where are you? So are you with the horse? Because if you're not with the horse, I don't want to back it. I want to back a horse with the trainer. I then say to them, is the horse happy? And is the horse healthy? They tell me those three things. I know what I'm going to get from a horse, whether it's copied out or spirit of St. Louis. And the rest of it's guessing. And anybody who tells you it's not, well, they're not going to end up with a very nice car, Toby. Trust me, I can tell you that. <laughs> yes. Is Captain Ravishing still the most exciting thing all weekend? Oh, yeah, I think so, absolutely. I, I think you know, he's a, a wonderful, wonderful horse. I think it's a very, actually, I think it's a very poor field. I really oh. do. I, I think he's scared a few away. Um, you know, there's... Well, put it this way... Um, any bet you have this weekend, punters, just put him in. What's he, a dollar ten? I take it he's a dollar ten, I presume, yes. Uh I haven't bothered to look to be honest, Mick, yeah. because it's just oh, one yeah. of those races, isn't it? I'll look it up while you go, okay. Yeah. Well I, what I would do, say for example, I want a back spirit of St. Louis at five dollars, I'll just run into Captain Ravishing at a dollar ten. Dollar twenty. Dollar what dollar twenty is even more for you. Um then all of a sudden your five dollars spirit of St. Louis is six dollars. 
and he'll just win. Like he's way, way better than these horses. Like if invitation only is even in the market, six, that's just insane. Six, six fifty second favourite. Well, it should be six hundred dollars. It's got absolutely no chance of being Captain Ravishing unless Captain Ravishing the balloon pops. I feel sorry for Captain Ravishing. He's got that Victorian disease, and it's a terrible disease, and it's happened for thirty years. Whereas they get good horses here and they make them great horses and they get great horses here and make them champions. I was on a radio show two years ago where someone asked me if Lock and Barrett was the best horse ever, ever in Australia. And it, and it comes from the fact that if there's probably 10 active people in the harness racing media in Australia, there might be 15, probably eight of them in Victoria. Yeah. So what you do is when you get, and you have the Vic Breeds and you have the Breeders' Crowns and these horses win by massive margins and people say they're freaks and they can do all this sort of stuff. And I, I feel sorry for the horses because they don't deserve to have to carry that shit around. Like, there were comments that Ladies and Red was one of the best mares ever in Australasia and it won a, a Group 1 race in winter. And if, when you start that sort of stuff, the only way is down. Unless Captain Ravishing wins the Chariots of Fire, and wins the Miracle Mile, it's going to be a disappointment. Not for me, because yeah, I'm not saying it about him. But when people were saying he's a sporting icon, I just, I just say to him, name the biggest race he's won. And again, I'm not picking on him, but somebody has to carry the flame of the industry with some perspective. If you just want to make everything the GOAT, then nothing's the GOAT. And that's been a problem with Victorian harness racing. Go back to bit of bliss and that sort of stuff. Because every horse becomes the next greatest champion and superstar. Well, what does that make popular arm? You know, if if Lock and Bar Art's the goat, what happens to Pop Bear And maybe I'm becoming a curmudgeon because I've got a very long memory, but I think punters deserve better than us just labelling everything a champion. And I think people who do, again, just don't end up winning on the punt because they end up blowing horses out of proportion. I think he'll probably go to Menangle and smash them in the chariots of fire. And I would hope he wins a miracle while because he's really exciting. But anybody who's got him as one of the all-time greats already just... Yeah. Shouldn't be doing what I do for a job. Uh, flashing red would be probably the the 40th best pacer over the last 30 years, and I would have had him before Lock and Var up. Well, and look, and again, <laughs> uh, it's an opinion backed up by data because he won two New Zealand well, Cups. Now I love Lock and Var it super... It's a great, it's a great story. But I had conversations with people on RSM, and I'm not, I'm not slagging anybody. People ask questions because they don't know, and they were saying, "Well, we're just the greatest horse ever." I said, "Well, I mean, you Lazarus." Won the oh. New Zealand Cup by 10 lengths and beat two Inter Dominion winners and won by 10 lengths. And Lazarus wouldn't be allowed to drink the bath water of Cardigan Bay. <laughs> and, in, and, and when anybody has a conversation with me about popular arm being the same class as Cardigan Bay, that just shows that they're an idiot because <laughs> he wasn't. Cardigan Bay went to North America and was the best horse in North America and the first horse in the world to win a million dollars. So, unless you know those sort of things, People should sit the bidding on Horsham and stuff because their opinions on the actual long-term history of harness racing are irrelevant. 100%. Good on you, Mick. Love having you on. We love having you in Victoria. Are you doing Trot's Vision Friday, Saturday, or just Saturday? I'm doing it Saturday. Um, I would love to be on Friday, but we've got a great team around us, so they don't need me, which is great because I'm looking forward to watching it, having some fun. I might even jump in the little car and head out to Melton, but really looking forward to being part of the coverage on Saturday with the boys and the girls. Of course, Shannon's part of our coverage, mate. We're going to have a big story on Blair Orange. If you read the Herald Sun on Saturday morning, we've got a big lift out. You'll find out something you don't know about Blair Orange, the man who's going to drive copy that in the Hunter Cup. Make sure you get a copy of that. What came first, the fruit being called orange or the colour being called orange? The colour.
No, the fruit came first. <laughs> See, I've already, already back the loser for the week. <laughs> You're 50 52. Good on you, Mick. Love it. I love it. I'll see you on the weekend, mate. Cheers, mate. There's Mick Gurren. And yeah, first of all, it was the orange. The fruit was called orange. It came from Persia, uh, transformed over into French, orange. And uh, then the colour got named after the fruit.